So today we're going to do something a little different because today's Bible passage is an interesting one. And so we're going to go through it in pieces. And so today we find ourselves in the 11th chapter of the book of Acts, verses 1 through 18. And it starts out, Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? So these three verses set up kind of what is happening in this passage. Peter has just returned to Jerusalem, and he has some explaining to do to the circumcised believers, meaning his fellow Jews, because Christians hadn't separated yet. The Jewish people wanted to know why Peter had lowered himself to associate with Gentiles, the uncircumcised men. They didn't even say Gentiles. They just identified them in that phrase as how they were not Jewish. And they definitely wanted to know what Peter thought he was doing, bringing these people into the faith. And so Peter starts explaining in verse 4, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-legged animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, this is a weird vision, right? Yeah, it's weird. Um, Now, don't get sidetracked by the vision. That's the really easy thing to do with this passage. I think that's what happened in the worship meeting last week. We, We kept going back to this. But here's the real point of this vision. These four-legged animals, we don't think much of it when we, you know, see an animal and hear the command, kill and eat, because most of us eat meat, right? But the thing is, it was against Jewish dietary laws, against Jewish eating laws for them to eat this meat. And we may think, okay, well, it's just a law, it's... But those laws were a huge part of the Jewish identity. It was part of who they were. To break this law was like they were being asked to walk away from who they had always been. So picking up in verse 8, Peter replies, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. And so Peter starts out 
oh no, God, I'm a good Jew. Those animals are unclean. I'm not going near them. And you have to imagine that Peter is probably a little uncomfortable and anxious in this. Because again, this is his, it's a part of his identity. But God responds to Peter. What God has made clean, sorry, go back, John Austin, or Garrett, okay. Uh, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. Remember that verse throughout the rest of this passage. Remember God's response. And now I'm moving on to verse 10. This vision, Peter continued, happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. Okay, what's happened here is the vision has ended. And pretty much as soon as it ends, three men, three Gentiles, three men who were deemed unclean by Jewish standards, show up where Peter is, and they ask him to come with them. Again, I bet Peter's uncomfortable and anxious and uncertain. But he hears the Holy Spirit tell him to go with them, even though he wasn't supposed to associate with these Gentiles, to go to a place and a house that was owned by a Gentile, which again was against the Jewish law. Peter was probably really uncomfortable. But in the next two verses, we find out what led these men to Peter. And this is from the man at the house they go to, Cornelius. Peter says that Cornelius told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. From these two verses, what we can know is that God is up to something. Because Peter has a vision of unclean animals that God has deemed clean. And then these Gentiles show up where he is. Gentiles he was supposed to call unclean. And God says to go with them. And then he hears from the man who sent them that that God sent them to him so that salvation could come. But at this point, salvation belonged to the Jewish people. It wasn't for anyone else. Remember that verse? What God has made clean, we must not call profane. 
And so before Peter explains what happened there, he makes sure to remind the, the Jews he's speaking to in Jerusalem that he took six other Jews with him. That what he's about to say happened in the house of an unclean Gentile can be vouched for, can be testified to by six others. And so he says, starting in verse 15, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, them being the Gentiles, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he has given us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they, the Jewish people, heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. What happened in the home of Cornelius, the Gentile, was that seven Jewish people witnessed God at work. These seven men had grown up in a culture and a world that told them what they could and could not eat and who they could and could not associate themselves with. And yet here they were in the home of a Gentile witnessing God's word come to life, witnessing the words of Jesus Christ change these people's lives right in front of them. And to even them, they saw the Holy Spirit descend just like it had upon the 12 disciples. What the Jewish people heard from this passage was to even them those we deemed unworthy, those we deemed unclean, those we've refused to acknowledge to even them. God sent salvation. God sent love. That's what those Jewish people heard that day in Jerusalem. Remember the verse, those whom God has made clean, we must not call profane. This passage was a turning point in the church, in the mindset of the church, because this passage told believers that it wasn't just us. That Jesus came for. It was all of humanity that God sent Jesus to redeem. This passage is about God calling Peter and the church still to this day into uncomfortable places. 
and to the realization that all people are beloved children of God, whom we cannot think to deem as clean and unclean. But, but that's not our world, is it? We live in a world that is about black and white. There's no gray. We live in a world where there's right and there's wrong. And if you do not agree with me, then you are wrong and you are an other. That is the world we live in. Where we objectify and sometimes demonize and put down and name as unclean. People we don't agree with. That is what our world tells us to do. We live in a world that teaches us to separate ourselves from one another. We live in a world that tells us to define ourselves by who we are not or to define others by how they are definitely not us. That is the world we live in. It's a divisive world that doesn't want any type of unity. But how often do we in life define ourselves and others by who we are in Christ? How often do we remind ourselves to remember that what or rather who God has made clean, we must not and cannot call profane. We must not deem unworthy. How often do we remember that despite the lines that this world tells us to draw to separate ourselves, that these lines are not called to stand? That there's not a them, there's only an us made by the blood of Christ. But again, that is not our world. That is not what our world tells us to do, how it tells us to live. There's right, there's wrong, there's them, and there's us. We all can name the lines that exist in our world, can't we? We can also name the lines that exist within our own hearts that we draw to separate ourselves from others who we don't want to side with, who we don't want to agree with, others who we want to keep as far from us as possible. And to think that Jesus is the savior of all humanity can make us uncomfortable. 
It can also especially make us uncomfortable and anxious to think that, like in today's passage, that God is calling us not to separate ourselves, not to draw lines in the sand, not to define ourselves and others as what we have not in common. I mean, the bulk of today's passage is about tension and the uncomfortableness. The tension felt by Peter the entire way through because this was something that was not part of his identity and his faith up until this point. The anxiousness of the Jews who went with him into a Gentile's house where they were not supposed to go. Probably the the anxiousness of those Gentiles who were sent to fetch Peter. And the anxiousness and tension of the Jewish people in Jerusalem because this was different. This was a change in their identity. It, it seems like God really likes to call us into uncomfortable and anxious situations, doesn't it? Situations where we are called to not just tolerate, but to actually love one another, especially believers, as in the passage that Jennifer read for us. Situations where we are called to accept those people we do not want to associate ourselves with. Situations where we are called to remember that there is no longer a them, there is only an us. And to pick up our line drawn in the sand. But again, that is not our world. That is not what our world teaches us to do, how it teaches us to live. But that is God's kingdom. God is going to call us into uncomfortable and anxious situations. No matter how much we do not want to be there. The question for us is whether or not we are going to trust in God's strength and God's grace to carry us through those moments where we are forced to remember that there's not a them, there's only an us. But that's a journey that all of us have to take. It's not a one-time decision. So the question for each of us is what lines have we drawn in our own hearts and lives that we need to work on erasing? Let us pray.